This is Podco Media Networks. It's the Demystifying Data Podcast with Chris Clegg, where we deconstruct the tools and techniques marketers need to make data more actionable. Here's Chris. Hello, welcome. Thank you for tuning in to the Demystifying Data Podcast. My name is Chris Clegg. I'm your host. And this is the second part of a two-part series where we interviewed Matthew Carl, Executive VP at Revolution. In the first part, you'll want to listen to that part first. We had a great discussion around how he came up in the marketing world, his career path, how he switched gears out of one area into another. We have conversation about past bosses and what makes a great boss. We have some good conversations around past clients and what it was like to work with those clients. And then in this second part, we continue the discussion around what makes great clients great We go into the work that we had done together around data and an experiential marketing campaign that was operating on the national level and how we were able to link engagement counts to sales and how we were able to see that direct connection and correlation and then use that information to change and develop and and create a strategic roadmap for the campaign as it unfolded. We talk about long tail brands, which is something I hadn't heard of before. And it was a phrase that Matt introduced to me. And Matt has some great insights around what long tail brands are, where they come from, and how understanding where they come from can help us better relate to them as marketers. I hope you enjoy this episode. When we start, you're going to hear me introducing a campaign that we had worked on together. that had a national scope, and it gets directly into that idea of how we correlated sales with engagement numbers. We worked on a program in the late 2000s, like 2008, 2009, that it had such great volume and had such a huge amount of activity that we were able to look at engagement levels and then look at sales data at the regional level two, three months down the road. And uh, I remember looking at that data for months, trying to find that correlation. And then finally, when we got sufficient volume of information we hit that correlation and we could start to see that perfect relationship between the number of people engaged and the volume of sales. And that was, that was the holy grail when we could get to it. And those charts were beautiful. I remember them like there yesterday. Those, those, were, those were nice reports. They were incredible reports, not only aesthetically, but in terms of utility. Yeah. Off the charts. And you're right, man. That was an amazing client experience. But it wasn't, if I recall correctly, it wasn't just the volume in the story from it, but the things that were looked at and discussed were volume, the actual tools of the experience. Are we using a vehicle? Where are we using it? Yeah. Does sponsorship play a role? Does awareness first impact choice later? Yeah, yeah. And really creating a calendar to drive from the stories that those data told, you know, was telling yeah. to deliver true, true impact. And if I recall correctly, based on my confidence in my partnership with you on that, a commitment was made to that client in <laughs> that I think that year by where I almost lost my job. <laughs> but I knew through our partner we could get there. Yeah. And probably one of the most prideful days was when we delivered that recap with the team at the end of the year, December, at 100.7% to an insanely aggressive objective. And a lot of that was because of data and paying attention to it. 
every day at 6.30 in the morning when we were on the calls. <laughs> yeah, I remember those. I forgot those 6.30 calls. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And you know, but man, every day, give me a client that's going to put me on the phone at 6.30 in the morning because they care. Absolutely. Any day of the week. Absolutely. Any day of the week. They care and they appreciate it. It was, I felt like we really felt like an integral part of the team, you know, delivering business success and ultimately career success for, you know, agency side and client side team. It was wonderful. Totally, totally. That was such an interesting project too, because we had all these different client groups and there were some groups, and I kind of see this today too, like there's two different kinds of clients. There's folks when it comes to data, there's, there's folks that are saying, you know, don't try to be the expert. Don't try to pretend you know my job better than I do. Just give me the data and I'll work with it. And then you'll turn around in the same organization and you'll have somebody that says, you know, why are you giving me all this data? I hired you to be the expert. Tell me what to do with it, what it means. And I think it wasn't until we had all these stakeholders at this brand and it wasn't until we could kind of piece that together and say, okay, you guys over here, you're the folks that just want data and you just want the tables and you want the information, you're going to run with it. And then you folks over here, you're the ones that are looking for insight and direction and strategic opportunities. And okay, we're going to do that for you. And, and when we could piece that together and not try to force like one approach down everyone's throat, when we could piece and figure that out, then it started to come together and go really smoothly. I don't think that was until like year two that we could get to that place. But, but man, when we got there, it was sweet. It was sweet. And those calls changed from being defensive posture calls to celebration of outcomes Yeah, as a result of commitment on both sides. And uh, both teams, it was a unified agency client team. Yeah, The commitment was off the hook from yeah. everyone that played on that in that world. Yeah, so totally. And, you know, I still see that. I see that among the large companies, like the really big international manufacturers or the huge conglomerates. They seem to have some of that thinking in place as a part of their culture. And then for a while, I'd say the last seven, eight, nine years, I didn't really see that among the smaller brands so much. But in the last couple of years, it almost seems like the smaller brands, the smaller, the brand teams that are managing the, uh, those smaller companies, they seem to have more of that thinking and more of that desire to be strategic. I think that that really has to do with the way data and analytics, and I think largely driven by digital, has started to become more uh, uh, decentralized and something that people find that they have more access to. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And as people change careers, folks have, have moved on um, in some instances, certainly not for, you know, in, in its entirety, but like they move on from these bigger brands and they move into these long tail brands because it's a different spirit. It's a challenger opportunity. And they bring that which they've learned in those enterprise organizations to that younger kind of fresher team yeah, because it matters. They learned that, that it matters. And uh, I think that's really exciting. So long tail brands, I haven't heard that phrase before. Tell me what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, so, the, you know, there's the legacy brands. If we look at kind of a bell curve in a sense, in key industry categories, there have been the big players. Yeah, They compete against one another, but there's been a lot of disruption in the marketplace because of digital not data necessarily, but sales channels, yeah. that disruption has created, you know, kind of these long tail brands. Uh, specifically, you know, we could talk about, let's talk about mattresses. Okay. So Serta was a legacy brand. And then in came Casper and Lisa, and they had long tail market share, but they're increasing, 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 and really 
taking a bite out of those legacy brands and changing the curve. And that's happening across a lot of different industries. And it's a wonderful and exciting opportunity. Yeah, for sure. I think that's probably where a lot of small brands are exploding. And I think it's where data comes in. I heard someone describe once there's an apparel company that, um, and I forget the name of the brand, they're doing really well. They came out of nowhere and they're selling entirely online and they're killing it. And uh, there was an interview with the, the CEO and she was saying, you know, we're not an apparel company that does data. We're really a data analytics company that happens to sell apparel. And she was just talking about the tools and, the, and the, the talent that's available to her has allowed her to bring the business to such a level that they can dominate like before required so much seed capital that it wasn't going to be feasible for a small company to do something like that. But she was able to do it because of those assets. Because of those data driven. And, and, and I love that because... It's not predatory in the sense is identifying somebody who desires and is seeking out to participate with certain attributes of a brand. Yeah. Isn't that what a brand is, right? An emotional connection as well as a, you know, kind of utility connection and data helps inform that. And I think it's wonderful. Some of my favorite brands use it incredibly. And not only do I get a great product from them, but emotionally I line up behind what they're doing organizationally yeah. and intellectually. I think it's it's fantastic. Yeah. And it's so key for that company and their marketing strategy and their communication strategy for them to be able to get out into the market, find you, and then be able to share with you their vision so that you can see that lifestyle match and, and decide to engage them. That's difficult. That requires the uh, the marketing analytics that we're talking about. It doesn't happen it doesn't happen through spray and pray. No, it certainly doesn't. And perhaps maybe it does at first, right? Yeah. And then they hone down. But I don't think so. I think you're absolutely right. The other thing that I think it kind of um, another reality that comes of that is the brands that are talking a certain way have to live that way too. There is so much transparency digitally. Yeah. So what do we call that? Authenticity, yeah, yeah. you know, in terms of the, the, the keyword. And you have certain legacy brands claiming authenticity and they get called out readily in you know the interwebs if you will yeah and it challenges them to live more authentically and certain are rising to the occasion and i think that is wonderful from a brand consumer match perspective it's an evolution in total so where are we going do you think what role is data going to play 10 15 years from now in our world and is it going to i mean i think we've seen some areas where it can go wrong. And uh, we've seen the way data and data analytics can be used to be manipulative and to take it in the wrong direction. And there's a bit of a, a retreat from that. What's going to be the, the way it evolves? It's going to evolve under high scrutiny. And what I mean by that, and to your point, I believe there were instances, and certainly they're out there in the press, where data, because it was the Wild West, and maybe it is to some degree still, yeah. there were some organizations that were predatory in their approach. Yeah. And that was identified and called out. And that creates skepticism. Yeah. Right. But that doesn't diminish the power of data. It just says, let's scrutinize it to make sure we understand what this data is. What is the methodology by which we're securing it, by which we're applying it? by which we're paying attention to it, by which we're evolving from the stories that it tells us, and not just take it at face value. 
And I think that's an, a reasonable and professional approach to most anything that, you know, that requires investment. So it's going to evolve, but I think it's going to involve with, you know, with heightened scrutiny to make sure it is indeed delivering that which is intended. Yeah. And that transparency will be key. I mean, I've, I've said this before that I, I think Facebook and Instagram and Google have done a horrendous job teaching consumers that free isn't free. And that there is a business model that they're going to market with that provides enormous value to you, the consumer, at no upfront costs. But they're able to do that because behind the scenes, there's enormous value to them. And they played the shell game for a while. And I still don't think it's being done correctly. I still don't think there's the right levels of honesty and and, uh, being on the up and up around what can be done with data and how it's being used. And until that's done in a very a truthful way and in a way that allows consumers to understand the trade-off and make a, a informed decision, there's still going to be this dancing around the role data plays in making marketing better. But I, I think we're started on that path, like you mentioned. Yeah, I agree with that. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, t- to your point, 10, 15 years from now, as a young generation comes into adulthood, will they have received an education from school from their their homes that is to say how data impacts their lives and what is an algorithm and how that affect that which you're seeing yeah do um, you need to be you know responsibly critical of that that is not to say that it's bad yeah. but at least aware yeah and i think that will also again play into a generation that will heighten their scrutiny of what is fed to them and the means that, you know, how did it get to me? And, and is it truthful? And I, I think that's, you know, a responsible lens. But it'll be interesting to see as uh, the kids of today evolve into the adults of tomorrow, will they have a foundation to understand, you know, that data is very much uh, a daily part of their lives. And it's powerful and should be you know, used and viewed responsibly. Yeah. Well said, man. Well, I, I absolutely appreciate you sharing your insights and, and taking this time. You know, where can people find you or where could they connect with you or, or learn more about you if, uh, online? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think probably the best channel is, is LinkedIn. Yeah. So, you know, we always go to the Google for, you know, Matthew Carl at Revolution. Yeah. And that will you, uh, you know, right to LinkedIn and that has my contact information, uh, et cetera. Excellent. Man, thank you so much. It's an absolute pleasure. And um, I really appreciate talking to you. It's always fun talking to you. You're, you're, yeah. you're, you're an awesome people. Yeah, Chris, uh, back at you for all of these years. And wow, you took it from 10 to 15 years. <laughs> I have learned so much. And uh, I, I very much enjoy always talking with you as a professional and, and a human being. So thank you for everything. Excellent, man. We'll have to have you back on again in the future. All right, brother. Talk to you soon. Oh, that was too much fun. What a great interview. Uh, Matthew Carl is absolutely a rock star, and I was grateful that he took some time to chat with us. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We've got a lot more stuff planned, so please subscribe. If you if you aren't already subscribed, you can catch the Demystifying Data podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. I hope you're having a fantastic day. We'll talk to you again real soon. Tune in next time as Chris Clegg continues demystifying data. Meantime, head over to demystifyingdata.co to learn more.